y'all don't want to leave in this rain, do you? It's good. I'll, I'll keep going. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. We uh, have been able to have live streaming each night through some software. We use it worldwide. And so I looked back earlier, and there were just a couple on there then, but one of them was one of the founding board members. You've heard his name today. Uh, Brother Clyde Eburn is watching, and Lewis Howe from New Zealand is watching. And we rejoice in these and others. I'm sure I didn't dash back there to see how many more were. But I am grateful that we have this opportunity. Memorial Baptist Church, you have been wonderful hosts to us. You have fed us far more and far beyond and above what we should have ever been fed. You've loved us and taken care of us. You have met our needs and exceeded them. I'm grateful that I knew you would be this way, but I'm really grateful that our mission family got to meet you and connect with you this week. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for showing the love of Christ. May I invite you to stand to your feet if you're physically able for the reading of the Word of God. And partly I know that you're going to be seated for the next two hours and I, you know. (laughs) Verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and our servants, ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, yet not, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Your Father, I bow before you this evening. God, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I sense and know your power clearly tonight. May your people be responsive to what your Holy Spirit wants to do in their hearts. God, we need you. I I don't even want to think about doing this without your touch, without your help, without your presence. And Father, tonight I pray that each person that's here tonight will have our hearts pulled towards your word. May your word be like a mirror. May it cast a reflection of who we really are in your eyes. And then God, give us the courage to change what you see in us that's wrong. And give us the strength to live the way you want us to live. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On Sunday, I started with this. I know it's small and I know you're at a distance And 
This is just a simple scale. Paul, in verse number 17, or beginning in verse 16, begins to develop contrasts. He talks about an inward man and an outward man. Outward man. He talks about a man who is tired and a man who's renewed. He speaks of something that is for a moment and then speaks of something of eternity. In fact, he even mentions something as being temporal and something that is eternal. But the one contrast with which I struggled in trying to understand this passage is how does affliction get weighed against God's glory? I think it's a reasonable question to ask of the Scripture. We explored this in Sunday school on Sunday morning, reviewed it again Sunday night. And tonight I I want to just simply remind you, when it came to Paul, he knew what affliction was. If you recall Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians in chapter number 11, he begins speaking about how he had been stoned. Beaten with rods multiple times. Whipped five times, save one stripe of 40. Shipwrecked. A day and night in the deep. And he begins to put all those afflictions which not a single one of us would ever say, oh, that's light. If we had gotten whipped with one stripe, We'd spend our entire life telling how I was whipped with one stripe. If we spent ten minutes in the deep, we'd spend our lives talking about how we spent ten minutes in the deep. Paul dealt with perils of his countrymen, perils from his brethren, perils in the countryside, perils in the city. He's dealt with all of these problems and he put everything on this side and somehow he said, when I weigh that out, that is light affliction. I wouldn't say that. I'd say that's serious business right there. Except, Paul also said, he weighed that against an eternal weight of glory. In fact, he even called it a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And he put that on the scale. And he said, our light affliction. Every single message this week has been designed to help us to consider the afflictions that we go through in our life are light when we keep our mind on the glory of God. Brother Dev Coda was here tonight, and through the partnership of his wife, they communicated with us a very clear message. I hope you never forget his words. I thank God for making me deaf. I remember waking up one morning 15 years or 17 years ago and I lost the hearing in my right ear. And I whined about it. I hate, I still have the loss today. I've never said, oh, thank you God that I woke up and lost my hearing. That's great. No, I'm about as selfish as the rest of you. How many of us would genuinely say, oh, deafness, that's a light affliction. Paul said, for our light affliction, it's not that Paul didn't face affliction. He did. It's just he never weighted affliction against affliction. Nor did he ever get into the business of saying, well, how many afflictions did you have? Oh, just two? I had four. I'm a better Christian. 
No. He just simply said, I'll own it. I've got afflictions in my life, no question about it. But there is a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that I look at. So, that view influenced Paul's view of the ministry. That's what we looked at in verses 1 through 3 on Sunday night. When you realize that what you do for Christ, you got from Him, and you also have received mercies upon mercies, the resolve has to be, I will not quit. Paul's influence of the ministry was affected by the eternal weight of glory. It not only changed his heart in verse number 1, but in verse number 2, it reminded us that it brought him to a place where it had him draw the line where God drew the line and said, I'm not going to do life the old way. Renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. And then he even called out the religious crowd, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. The weight of glory changes me. If the weight of glory doesn't change you, you're missing the point of this passage. You say, well, when are we going to get to the faith promise cards? When are we going to talk about going to win the world for Christ? If you will understand the eternal weight of glory, everything falls into place. Because then I realize, when I give, God gets the glory. Ah, but there is that pesky definition of what is glory. The best commentator I read said, the problem with people who try to define glory is that they use words. God's glory is immense. It's indescribable. It's incomprehensible. It's incalculable. It's inexhaustible. It is incredible. It is God showing His glory in His presence. It is God showing His glory in His person. It is God showing His glory and offering us a promise. This is what God's glory is. When He shows us who He is, the way He wants us to see Him, and we are in complete awe of who He is, that's God's glory. And Paul said, not just God's glory, but he said, a far more exceeding. That's such a great phrase. In fact, you may not realize it, but we also read a synonym for that same word in the verses that we're going to preach from tonight. You see, far more and exceeding are the same words just repeated twice and translated in two different ways. It is excess upon excess. It's It's getting the supersize and then more. It's saying take all of the biggest that you've got and double it. In fact, Paul is simply communicating to us that God's glory is so vast that its vastness is vast. See, I didn't know that was possible. That's how big God's glory is. It's immense. Tonight I want to start in verse number 7. And I want to talk about, again, the influence of God's glory in Paul's life. The eternal weight of glory influenced Paul's view of afflictions. We talked about that in Sunday school. On Sunday night, we talked about how the eternal weight of glory influenced Paul's view of ministry. Tonight, I want to take you to verse number 7. And Paul is going to start with some very interesting wording. Keeping in mind, from verse 3, he says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And perhaps if God gives leadership, we'll return to this section, church. But we're not going to cover that in detail tonight. Notice verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto him. Notice how Christ is referred to, and the gospel is referred to as glorious, that which pertains to glory. 
Notice how it says that Satan blinds minds. But then Paul uses a metaphor of the gospel for light. So we have light that's being shined and the mind stopping that light from being seen because the God of this world is blinding man's minds. Why must our brother and sister go to Burma or Myanmar or Myanmar or some, you know, whatever, however he wants to say it. Why does he have to go? Blinded minds. Can't see the light of the glorious gospel. The beauty of being in missions work is this. The beauty of being a Christian is this. Every man is wired for light. Every single person born into this world. The Bible says the St. John 1, 8 or 9 says uh, the same light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. This mankind has the ability to be saved. And when we consider this light of the glorious gospel of Christ, God's glory is everything to Paul. And so he's talking about this idea of there is light. And what happens with this light? Well, it shines in our hearts. Verse number uh, five. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If the light shone in your heart, if the light has shined in your heart, you didn't get it for it to stop with you. This light of this great glorious gospel shone inside your dark heart. So it can come out and show others the way to Christ. So Paul then will build a contrast in verse number 7. And he says, But we have this treasure. That's an interesting word. It means something valuable. So what in this context could be that to which he is referring as valuable? In verse number 1, he refers to the ministry. In verse number 3, he refers to the gospel. Both things are connected to this verse. So when Paul says, we have this treasure... If we summarize it and say it's the gospel ministry... That is to say that the light has shone inside of us. But then he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is an earthen vessel? Could I just call it a clay pot? Uh, It's baked earthenware is technically what it is, but it's it's a clay pot. Which I just happen to have one. This is the convergence of Two illustrations in one night. But that's a continuing illustration. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I'm going to tell you, there is nothing fancy about a clay pot. Why would you put a treasure in here? I mean, for real, why? Well... In Bible times, in the New Testament era that we're reading about this context, most of the time, clay pots were used to haul out trash and biological refuse. That's it. But if you also recall, the Dead Sea Scrolls were also stored in clay vessels. That valuable discovery... For those who are students of the Bible, you realize that was an important discovery. But in most cases, most situations, it's just an old pot. Nothing fancy, no distinguishing marks. Got a few Mars on this. (laughs) Not the the other kind of Mars. (laughs) Me and Mars, never mind. Stay with me, people. This pot is nothing. And Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels 
Why would God take the gospel and put it in us? We're the earthen vessels in this verse. We're the, the clay pots. Go ahead, let me say it, Brother Farley. The crack pots. That's us. This is who... You got that, Dick? Good for you. This is who we are. We are the earthen vessels. There's no real value in this. And God said, I'm going to put what I treasure in this. What does he treasure? Oh, he treasures the gospel. It cost him his son. He, God, who made him Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Why on earth would he take something so valuable as his son and the message of redemption? Why would he put this in clay pots? Well, the treasure is the gospel in the ministry. The earthen pots are us. And tonight, in the next hour and a half, I want to answer the question. Why would God put this treasure in earthen vessels? There are four times in the following verses where answer is given of why God would put this treasure in earthen vessels. And I want you to realize that quite honestly, this is your story. Without Christ, we're nothing. We're of no value. And everything that God has done to redeem us, it is God's desire to adopt all. We know that. Galatians 4, 5, 4, 4, um, re- refers to the fact that the purpose of, of God sending His Son made of a woman made under the law was to redeem. Why was there redemption offered? So there could be adoption of sons. It's God's desire to bring all to His family. But why would He trust this? Why not summon angels? Why us? Because for some reason, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's, God's ways are not our ways. So what God does is He says, I'm going to try to put this here and see if that will work. God says, I'm going to put inside of this pot, I, I, there's no rabbits coming out of my hat now because uh, I just need to fill that up a little bit. I'm going to take treasures and I'm going to put them in this pot. And when people see treasures in a clay pot, they're not going to look at the pot. They're going to look at the treasure. They're not going to say, wow, wonder where that pot came from. Ask our staff. They went after it when I came up with this idea today. Shiny, pretty, dazzling. This is what God does. Just simply says, ah, there's an old clay pot. And they just trusted me. I'm going to put this treasure in them. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency. Do you remember the phrase, the far more and exceeding that phrase, the hyperbole on top of hyperbole? You remember that phrase? The same word, excellency, it's the same word. So why does God do this? Why would God take, and, and Dick's on your, I, most of the time is my friend, think. In case you don't know, that's his sister. And what we could look at and say, Dick, 
You're just nothing but an old pot. But when the treasure of God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness gets put into the earthen vessel of your life, He does that so the excellency is of Christ. The extreme measure, the the measure that's beyond measurement, is so you could never take the credit for any success. Brother Davis, you're just a pot. Is he cracked? We'll let that be discussed later. And one day God shows up and he saves you. How old did you say you were? Ten, Ten years old. Ten is when, when um, the Lord touched my heart about missions. He puts this treasure in earthen vessels and you write that book report and you learn about Judson. You say, that old kid in Sunday school, he's never going to amount to anything. We can't even get him to stop eating the glue. And now he's going over to Burma and he's going to preach the gospel. We don't look at the pot. We look at the treasure. That God puts in the pot. And we say that the excellency might be of Him and not the pot. Hey, Bill. You're just a pot. Would you take it? And one day God saved you. God changed your life, didn't he? Not the same guy. Lizzie, I'll never forget the testimony you posted when you first came back. I was not right for a day after reading that. And I, I, you know, you posted, I'm not going to, but let's just say that she noticed a difference at home. What God did was he said, I got this treasure. And I see Bill. I'm going to put it in him. And when say when folks see Bill, they're going to say, what a pot. No. They're going to say, what a God. If, if the RU student could get the glory for recovery, the excellency is about the student. But if the RU student could say, don't look at the pot. Marky sang that song earlier. I kept thinking, man, could it not get any easier than this for preaching? If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, And I know you'd see what? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Don't look at the pot. The pot has never been right. The pot has always been flawed. I came into this world flawed. But when the the treasure, the gospel arrived in my life, this treasure got in the earthen vessel. And I haven't been the same ever since. The day, brother and sister missionary, you think that you have gotten what you've gotten on your own. I'll assure you, stop looking at the pot and realize that God makes you who you are. That the excellency would be of Him and not of you. Why does God put the treasure in the earthen vessel? So we could never take credit for our successes. If the choir member or the soloist or the specialist come and they sing. If it's about you, you miss the point. You can take the credit. Oh yes, I'm a skilled singer. I got this. I I, I have a PhD in singing. I don't even know if that's possible. 
probably vocal something or another. But the fact is, is that if you are hung up on you, you miss the point of why he put the treasure in you. And if you're walking around thinking, oh, I have this treasure because I'm somebody special, you got nothing and you're a nobody. But what makes value is the fact that he said, there's a pot. I have a treasure. I'm going to put it in them so I can get the glory. How dare we ascribe God's glory to ourselves? There is no talent or skill or gift that we have that is of our own merit. There is nothing that we can do. The day I walk into that pulpit thinking I can preach is the day that I realize I'm focused on the pot. I need to be focused on His glory. My life is not about the pot. My life is about the glory and it's about His excellency. And to say, this is what He put in me. Why does God put His glory? Why does He put His treasure in us? So He can get the glory. If I brag that I have beat an addiction and I'm in recovery and I brag about that, I'm a pot that's misbehaving. If I'm a preacher and I think it's about me, it's not. If I'm a missionary and I think, no, the fact is, is that I have this treasure and it's in an earthen vessel that it was given to me that the excellency might be to God. Why, number one, why does God put his treasure in earthen vessels? So we could never take the credit for any success. If you think you can take the credit for anything good that might have happened in your life, you miss the point. The eternal weight of glory was the greatest influence in Paul's life, I believe. If you can look at affliction, stay with me on the switch of illustrations, I'm coming back here. If you can look at affliction and say, no matter what I go through, it's light. Because of God's glory. If I could realize that God put his treasure in me. So not that I could take the credit for any success. But rather point to him. Then I begin to understand. Verse 8. The second reason I believe God puts his treasure in earthen vessels. Notice what he says in verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted. I said we are, but it's the continuation of the thought. The verse says persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The word manifest is the idea of being presented to show something. Why does God put a treasure in our life, number two, so others could see Jesus in our living and our suffering? My dear brother, Devkota said this tonight. And I assure you, he had no idea that which I was going to share at all. But he said, because I lost my hearing, God brought me the gospel, and I'm bringing others the gospel. It would be very easy to simply sit and pout the rest of your life to say, woe is me! I have a hangnail! I need sympathy over here! You should listen to our prayer request time sometimes. Are they prayer requests or just opportunities to whine? God puts his treasure in earthen vessels, number two, so others could see Jesus in our living and suffering. Notice these words that he uses. He uses four conditions that come. Troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. The idea of the word trouble, the sense of the word trouble, is to be pressed in on all sides, to be squeezed. 
squeezed in. The idea of being perplexed is to be confused or failing to understand. Persecuted is being attacked for your beliefs or being pursued for them. Cast down is the idea to literally be thrown down, to struck down. But Paul said, when I realize the treasure that God has put in me, I have four planned reactions to those sufferings and trials that come to my life. He says, we remember that we're not distressed. We remember that we're not in despair. We remember that we are not forsaken. We remember that we are not damaged or destroyed. God says, I'm going to put my glory, my treasure in your clay pot. And I want people to see me and not you. And when you go through a tough time, when you suffer or go through a trial, I want others to see me. And not you. I confess. I'm not sure how to do this. But I've seen it well done in people's lives. Who are in this room. Through incredible suffering. Incredible grief. Incredible anguish. And you somehow give God the glory for it. What is that reminding you of? Verse 7. I got a treasure. I'm going to put it in earthen vessels. Why? One, so you could never take the credit for success. Two, so others will see God when you go through your suffering or your trial. If all they see are, is, sorry, i got to get my state of being verbs together. If all they see is your pot, you messed up. Not a single person in this Well, I don't want to say that. They probably are. Jackie. I don't know how many times I've hurt for you. Not for my own hurt, for your hurt. I have nothing to do with it. But I watched your testimony. Brother Elwert, who's been leading our singing, buried his wife earlier this year. But you know what, Jackie? When he put his excellency in you, the treasure, and and Brother Elward is my friend, and I, I know I'm not out of line doing this, so please don't feel like, wow, he's way out of his league. When he put that in you, he did that so others could see Jesus when we go through our trials. And they look at him, and they don't look at you. And yes, while there's this human emotion side that we try to process with you, all I know is this. He put his excellency in you, this treasure, the gospel, and we watch you. And we're so proud of you. But we really just see Jesus and not you. I don't know your struggle. But God puts the excellency in us his treasure in us, so the excellency is about him. Why does God put his treasure in us so we would never take credit for our successes? And so that we would let Christ be seen in us when we go through the darkest of days. Paul's planned responses to these conditions that come. If I summarize them in just symbolisms for me, there's no such word as symbolisms. I made it up, but it sounded good. You got it, preacher, me too. Yeah, it's like, okay, I get this. I look at those four conditions and I think about the four responses and I say this. When those trials come, we're hurting, but we're not hopeless. We're confused, but we're not confounded. We're attacked, but we're not abandoned. We're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. He puts his treasure of the gospel in us so he 
could get the glory while we whine about the the afflictions through which we go. It's not about the afflictions. It's about Him. We go through these trials and these struggles and we whine and we complain and we say, why me? And I realize He just wants the glory out of our trials and suffering. And then somehow, in some unbelievable, inexplicable way, He gets the glory from it. You and I couldn't manage that. We are wired for our own glory. Number three. Verse number 15 gives me the fourth thought here. The third thought, really, because I combined two of them together there. For all things are for your sakes. Why? That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. When I realize that He has put the gospel and by extension ministry in me and I have this treasure in earthen vessels, it's for me to find others and say, I was once a sinner. I came and I received pardon for my soul. Now I'm forgiven. He put His treasure in me. Why? So that when God's, sorry, when others see what God has done in me, they rejoice for the grace of God. And they want grace too. Why is our youth so successful? One, God always blesses His Word. I'll start there. I'm not going to praise a, a, a system. But why is RU successful? Because it takes people who realize I am nothing until He did this. And when He did that, bingo. It all changed. Well, we don't play bingo, but you know what I mean. It all changed. God gets the glory. And then you walk around realizing, wow, this, this stuff, this, this is my treasure. I hope you're good at pretending. I mean, because you realize this is just, I have no idea what you call this stuff. Tinsel. Thank you. Treasure works better, doesn't it, Jessica? Exactly. When you realize that his, his treasure I can't see the Mars on this pot I used to see. It covers cracks. It covers scuffs. It covers scars. And all people look at it saying, Whoa, look at that. I remember when he was, but I don't see that anymore. I see grace. You know what? I miss Alan tonight. I texted him and I said, buddy, I miss you. I uh, told him I'd pray for him. I gave him the link to log in tonight to watch. I don't know if he did or not. But when, when Alan will get up over here, just he's not bothering anybody. He's not bothering you for your silence and he's not looking to be bothered in his silence. And he just stands here and has his Jesus moment, him and God alone. I'm all right with that. Why? If you could see what he once was, if you could go, you'd see. It's not what the scars are on the pot. It's this treasure. And I got this treasure, and he put it in earthen vessels. Why did he do that? So he could get the glory. So I could never take credit for my successes. So that others could see in the midst of a trial and suffering. It's all about Jesus. The day I forget that it's all about Jesus and I think it's all about John is a bad day. 
Jessica, if, if you think it's all about you, you're going to have a bad day. But focus on the treasure. Focus on the treasure. I'm rich. I've got everything. Why? He put it in me. Don't let the OCD part of you get bothered by that. Okay? It's going to be all right. Gravity will keep it right there. The three reasons why God puts treasures in us is so others get so he gets the glory so others get saved. So when we go through tough times you look at him. And so you'd never take the credit. What does the eternal weight of glory do for you? May I make a very practical application and then I'll close. If you think what you give to missions gets you glory, you're wrong. You know why I give to missions at our church? Because he put his treasure in me. And I know what it felt like when he put his treasure in me and what it's like to live with that treasure. And I want other people to know the same. I don't give for my glory. I give for his glory. What's my guy's name's coming? Cal and, and Jeff and Cal, would you guys come here a sec? Would you go? God put a treasure in us when he saved us. It's not for us to get the glory. It's for him. It's for him to be seen in our lives. It's for him to get the glory in our suffering in seeing others saved. And so we never take credit for our successes. Guys, thank you. If you call it hokey, that's fine. Just don't tell me you said it. But there's a clay pot for every single one with some treasure in it. And if you feel so inclined to come and get one, go back to your seat or come up to here and take the pot and pray. That's that's your call. But I want you to have a visual reminder I, for some, you're not going to understand this reference. And I, that's okay. I'll try to explain. Last year, several of you left Mission Conference with what? A broken shard of pottery that I broke up here. I have mine. It's where I shave when I'm home. It's right there. has the word broken on it. And has the date. And I look at it. I don't know why that's a visual stimulant for me, but it works. And maybe this is too visual for you. Maybe it, it, it's too hokey. I don't care. I just know that when I look at that, I'm going to remember that the excellency is about him. And the treasure is what he put in me. And before him, I was just an empty pot. And so when I go through tough times, I want him to get the glory. And when I'm out there and I'm telling people about Christ, I want him to get the glory. And when I'm going through something, I never want to take credit for the success. Would you stand with me? Brother Joe, I don't know where you are, but if you'd come, if you're the one to play tonight, okay. You can come at any point you want. I'm just going to pray. Music's going to play. You come. Dear Father, tonight, in the very simplest of terms, I wanted to say and show what I 
saw when I read that verse. Oh God, the treasure you put in us is not for our excellency. It's for you. May we never take credit for successes, but may we point to the treasure. May we never in our suffering point to ourselves, but point to the treasure. May we never in our evangelistic efforts point to ourselves, but point to the treasure. We're nothing without you, God. We're nothing more than marred and cracked pots. If we're a singer, we have no talent. If we're a If we're a preacher, we're nothing. If we're a missionary, we're nothing. If we point to the pot, we're nothing. Help us to remember that the treasure is yours in us. Light afflictions. God's glory. Take all the time you want. There is there are more than one pot for everybody here if you needed another, one for work, one for home. This eternal weight of glory is no light thing. Is God getting the glory right now in your suffering? In your evangelistic efforts, is he getting the glory? Are others rejoicing because of the treasure that's in you? Are you taking credit for the successes that have come because of the treasures in you there's more room if you need to get one now there's it's cleared up a little bit